So I've been sharing with you in the last few weeks since Easter began a topic called uh, Drawing the Circle Wider. And the idea is that, that we know that as Jesus rose from the dead, the circle was drawn very, very wide as the power of the resurrection came and, and, and touched many lives from that moment on. Since then, we've been seeing how some of the disciples have been moving along in this idea of growing the circle wider, because that is what the resurrection power has done. In our first Sunday, Easter Sunday, we found out that the event of the resurrection that was never and has never been seen by anyone, no one saw the resurrection of Christ, we know we know His reason because of the witnesses of others. But nobody saw that resurrection happening. However, the ripple effects, the effects, the, the, the consequences, the effects, the spiritual effects have gone through generations, through space and time, through thousands of years as the circle keeps getting wider and wider. In the second Sunday, we spoke about how the resurrection was seen, uh, actually was seen by some, but was witnessed by some in terms of the people who, the angels they saw. But they discover that these ripples of the resurrection empower them, number one, to become a family. A wide, large family now of believers throughout the land. Number two, it, the resurrection empowers us to be part of a community and make the difference in that community. But one of the things that we discovered that was the most amazing ripples of the power of the resurrection was the fact that through that ripples, we get eternal life, not only in the future, but here in terms of the quality of abundance light that God gives us. I want to call us the attention because if, if Jesus had a circle that was rather small, 12 disciples, sometimes 72 we hear, sometimes even more. But Jesus had, you know, small. Peter, we heard last week, was trying to keep the circle smaller by being a, a, a nationalist Jew that only saw Jewish people in the circle of Christ. But there's another person that was called by God who busted the whole thing. And it was Paul who really drew the circle wide as he went ahead and went and preached the gospel to the Gentiles. And this is where we find ourselves. So if Jesus had a smaller circle, Peter had a little wider, Paul is going to blast that open to all of humanity. So join me in your worship, guys, as I read from the books of Acts, a document written by Luke. Luke, who wrote also the Gospel of Luke, we're going to read a section in chapter 14 where we have already moved from, from, from uh, uh, chapter 10 where Peter was given the news that the church was also for the Gentiles, that the salvation of Christ was for everyone in this nation, in, in this world, and not limited to only Jews, but to everyone who accepted Jesus Christ. Now we go into Paul has now been called as an apostle, and this is part of the first missionary trip that Paul takes with Barnabas. So the church in Jerusalem in Antioch has already laid hands on, uh, actually the church in Antioch has laid hands on Barnabas and Paul, and they're sending them in their first missionary trip, and they've already gone to Iconia, and they've had some issues there, but we find them now going to Lystra. So join me, please. Join me, Paul and Barnabas, as we find out what kind of havoc 
they, they, they did over in, in Lystra. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. While they were in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, These men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus, and that Paul was Hermes, since he was the chief speaker. Now, the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town's gate, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. But God never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and a joyful hearts. But even these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them the word of the Lord. How many of you have been offered a sacrifice in front of you? None of you have had the privilege of having somebody sacrifice something in front of you? Really? None of you have had that experience? Neither have I. <laughs> so it would be very rare if it would have happened. It's something that just doesn't happen in this centuries because it's not the way in which we kind of do things like that. Now, how, how, uh, how many times have you actually had to go out of your way to help someone? Have you done that? Okay. Keep it there. Keep it there. You see, Paul is finding himself in, in a situation that, that is very unusual. First of all, he's the Jew of Jews. He was highly educated as a Jew, and he knows the stuff. And suddenly, him and Barnabas go to this village called Lystra. Lystra is found in southern Turkey. It's in Galatia, in the province of Galatia. And there was a large military um, outfit there. There was also a couple of universities with a lot of Greek culture in there uh, due to academics. But there was also the local crowds. That it seems that Peter, I mean, that Paul and Barnabas, instead of going to the high uh, uh, intellectual areas of the Greek or instead of trying to storm into the military areas of the Gentiles, he kind of decided to hang around with the locals. Now, what, what he may have known or not known, we don't know this. As I read the, the Scripture, you notice that there was a temple of Zeus that was actually outside of the village. It says there. The temple had been there for a thousand years before Paul got there. 
Because Ovid, the poet, had had a story, a legend, that both Zeus and Hermes have come down to earth to heal the man that was crippled. So after that event, the Ovid calls about that history, they build a temple for Zeus and for Hermes right outside the city of Lystra. A thousand years ago. But if you go to Lystra today, whatever's left of Lystra, which is very little, there are symbols of the, of the two gods always together. So you always see Zeus and Hermes, Zeus and Hermes together in that Greek pantheon in that village back in that first century. But back in the first century, there are two guys who are going to go and talk about the goodness of God. They're going to go with excitement, with sheer passion, and they're going to be talking about the ripples of the resurrection. We know this guy who has risen from the dead. We know he is the prophet Messiah sent from God, the God who created the heavens, who created the earth and the seas and everything that lives in them. But the culture was so ingrained in those individuals that when Paul healed that man and got up and started walking. He had never walked. They immediately thought that Zeus and Hermes had visited again the city of Lystra. So what are they going to do? The gods are here. The goodness of God is here. We have seen God's grace. We have seen the gods, you know, not, not G-O-D, capital, small letter. We have seen the gods that are, that are creating and bringing life to individuals. And that was good for the people to see. Now, when you see something good happening... When you see something good happening, how do you feel? Good about it. You feel joyful. You may feel happy. You may express some gladness. Some of us go to the extreme of shouting and, and getting excited. Some of you are just can kind of keep it quiet and, and low-key. But they recognize goodness. They recognized this local Lystrians from the province of Galatia, they recognized that some divine, some divine event had happened. And they responded the same way that most human beings respond when they encounter a divine experience. They respond in gratitude, so they want to sacrifice it. That's the way it was done back then. They wanted to express their devotion to that divinity for actually doing something good. Well, I think Paul was very wise in the way, I mean, sometimes he was very wise in the way he approached populations in sharing the gospel, and sometimes he was not too wise in doing so. Uh, in this one, in this occasion, in sharing the gospel to the locals, he may or may not have been aware of that, but he really got surprised when they interpreted that he was Hermes because he was a chatterer, and Barnabas, who was the quiet one standing behind, was Zeus. He could not convince them of otherwise. He could not convince them of anything else. They just kept at it and at it, and he could just not convince them that they were just mere. Actually, that's all the message they could share. That was a whole sermon that they could share. May I share it with you again? Because it's going to take one second. <laughs> but when they saw this, but never, you know, uh, uh, wait a minute. We have come to bring you good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own way. What? That is a very heavy-loaded statement, and I am not going to get in it. 
that way. But obviously, God allows all cultures to go their own way. He had a people He called Israel. And the only purpose for which God called Israel was so that the Messiah would come from there because they were the worst of all the tribes. Uh, that's what the Bible says. But God, who made all the heaven and the earth, allowed these groups to go their own way. But then He says, but He never left this people, the ones who did not know, the ones who were not Jewish, He never left the Gentiles without evidence of Himself and His goodness. And then He gives us an example, which is a very basic agrarian example, which everybody in those days was able to understand. Then He says, for instance, He sends you rain and good crops and gives you food. And I like this part and joyful hearts. So even they did not know the God, Father of Jesus Christ, God's mercy, God's grace ripples throughout all the world. This is what theology, Reformed theology refers to, God's common grace. It is the grace, it is the favor that because God is God and part of God is merciful and good and His nature is a giver and a lover, He's going to allow humanity to enjoy beauty, to enjoy generosity, to enjoy justice, and in the process to rejoice in it. I was watching a video that Grace Wachuca put on Facebook it, was that a festivity they were celebrating, or that's just the way you work? <laughs> there was no festivity, but you turned it into a party. She, showed, she sent me a Facebook video where she calls remembering back home or, or back home memories where there's a group of, of natives, African natives in this village, and they have this big mortar, and they're all dancing and pounding on it, and there's music behind. And it was probably labor, right, for the community. It had to be work, but they turned it into something joyful. You see? Even God's goodness reflects to all generations, to all peoples. In the past and even in the present. However, this common grace is not the same as salvific grace. It's different or, or the grace by which we come through Jesus Christ. It is the goodness of God that God shares with every human being in this earth. We see it in nature. We see it in, in helping God in all those things. Today I see the ripples of God's likeness in, in, in the world as we see the crops and the rain. And, and you know, the, we still have enough food around the world to feed everybody. The problem is not lack of food. The problem is the distribution and ownership. Today I see the ripples of the likeness of God when we have organizations and when we get together to help one another. Let it be through education as we have schools from daycares all the way through colleges and universities of higher learning. When we have organizations that are taught to care for one another from even a neighbor who cares for, for a neighbor all the way through a hospital or through hospice. We have all those ripples of God's goodness in our generation in our world. 
Today I even see the likeness of God when I see young people advocating for peace for the abuse of weapons in this country and how they are hurt and how many of them do not know a life without them, without being afraid of being killed in school. And that shouldn't be. They are taking the lead. We have to back off and let them because it's their world, not ours any longer. Today I see the likeness of God of God's when we get together to pray for one another, when we care as we prayed for, for Shirley as they are going through that transition, as that family is going through that transition, when we care for one another, when we cook for one another like we're doing this Tuesday. Not only do we cook for one another, but we cook for the community. Today I see the likeness of God in, in our lives as disciples, seeking more wisdom, sharing, forgiving, and trying to understand one another. This last Friday, we had the first um, a Bible study in my house, and we had a great time ripping up each other apart. Oh, we had Bible study, yes, and, 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 and we ate, yes. But we had a good time of fellowshipping, of being with one another, being in harmony, being in, in, in one environment, in a holy space. And we rejoiced when we, were, when we realized there were a whole bunch of older women, and amongst the older women of the church was Gabby. And Gabby's mom, she's not the only woman in the church. May is not here, so I, I won't get her out. <laughs> But Gabby was there. Oh, she was playing with Daisy, yes. But Gabby was listening and paying attention to the holy writ, to the beauty that was happening right in there. You see, the ripples of God's likeness in this world is you and I. Because we are the ones that have been given the message of reconciliation, as we read earlier in our worship service. We are the ones that have that light to the darkened world. So, do you see the likeness of God's in your life? Do you see the, the, the DNA? Do you see that the, the handprint of God who is maybe showing you love? And then you learn to love people that you didn't think you were going to love or even be with. Do you see the likeness of God in your lives when you go out of your way to help others? When you give sacrificially? When you are patient and full of grace with one another? When you are hospitable and welcoming? Those are the fingerprints. Those are the, the prints of God's goodness, God's likeness in our lives through Jesus Christ. When we celebrate life, when we unroll our spin ministry, spin, S-P-I-N, service to persons in need from all ages here in our congregation. I see the ripples of the likeness of God in this community. When we get over ourselves and begin to draw the circle wider, when we get our, over our selfishness and become generous, when we begin to expand and increase our love to get wider, when our arms become wider to embrace people that we never thought we were going to embrace, we are God's goodness in the community. We are being God's ambassadors, as Paul said also, through the church and through families. How about this week? Remember that you are God's goodness, that you are the ripples of the likeness of God in your community. As we go to lunch this afternoon and the rain comes down, remember Think about it. You are the likeness of God in this world, and you are the ripples of God's grace 
of God's love, of God's likeness. So be God's goodness in your community, in your family, in your church. Be God's likeness of peace and joy and love. Join the wave. Join the ripples because you know what happens? You're one ripple. You're another ripple. Mary, who just moved to the area, is a new ripple in our area, and we welcome her. And you're a ripple. You're a ripple. You know what happens when ripples come together? They make a wave. It could make a tsunami wave, a good tsunami wave. They will drench us with the love of God, with the grace of God, with God's mercy, so that then we begin to throw that water to others, so that then we begin to make, to be that ripple, to drench, to get them wet with God's love and God's mercy. Will you be an ambassador of Christ this coming week as you become God's ripples of likeness in your community? Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you? Let us pray then. (laughs) Dear God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the common grace that you have been good to us even before we even knew you. We were enjoying your goodness. We were enjoying your your grace. We were enjoying your provision and protection. We were enjoying what the theologians of old would say, the Lord is tarrying. And one day, your light shone upon us, and we were able to identify that goodness and where it came from and who is it that brings it to us. And we found out it was your Lord Jesus Christ, a risen Lord, a risen Savior. And in finding that out, then we discover that we become part of the circle that you are creating in this entire world, the realm of God that's above and beyond any worldly system, any worldly party that's all incomplete and cahoots. But Lord, we thank you that you called us out of that darkness, bring us into the light so that we can be your ambassadors, so that we can be the ripples of your likeness, so that we can be those who show God's love, we can be those who demonstrate God's justice, we can be those who demonstrate God's acceptance. Thank you for that privilege. Lord, we pray for individuals who are at a hospital right now, as I'm getting texts. We pray, Lord, for for those who are home and have been ill for a while. We thank you that we see Bill and Lottie here as we prayed for them last week, and we rejoice with their presence this morning. We rejoice, O oh God, with the presence of everyone that came and risked it to come this morning to worship you. Bless us. Bless this community. Bless our lives. Bless our communion together. We pray, Lord, for Linda also, who had to leave service because she was not feeling well. Your hand of anointing be upon her, we pray. But Lord, we thank you for the one who is our friend, who walks with us and talks with us, who's a risen Lord, and yet he calls us friends who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.